Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. The truth is the most convincing story that maps onto reality. That's why the central narrative is falling apart. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. We must see the central narrative for the fiction that it is. We are Americans. While elections are sometimes messy, this was a secure election. The founders began the fight for human liberty and self-governance, and it's up to us to finish the job. I tell you what, we are in a truth emergency right now. This is the end game. It's Wednesday, June 21st, 2023, the 882nd day of dystopia. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. A warm welcome and hello to all of you listening to the podcast on the day of its release. The only way to do that is by becoming a paid subscriber at I'mYourModerator.Substack.com. You can do so for as little as $50 a year or $5 a month. And in doing so, you will be supporting me, the work I do, and this show as it expands. And if you can't or you simply don't want to, continue listening to the podcast for free a couple of days later on a wide variety of podcast platforms and, of course, Rumble. All I ask is that you share it with your friends. You can find the links to the podcast, the writing, the social media, and the merch site by visiting linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. So yesterday we talked for a while about redeemable communists. We haven't discussed redeemable communists in a long time. And I just wanted to remind everybody about the concept. And we talked about reruns and we talked about how every time the reruns play over and over and over again, some of those commies still over there, some of those villagers, 
they have the opportunity to wake up and say enough is enough. I've seen this show before. I know how it ends. I can't keep watching it again and again and again and pretending that it's something else. I know what this is. Enough is enough. It's time to admit that maybe masks in the car were a bad idea. And maybe Donald Trump didn't collude with Russia. Maybe it was Hillary Clinton and the DNC the whole time. And maybe Donald Trump and Donald Trump Jr. and his family, maybe they're not the corrupt family, the political crime family that we accuse them of being for so many years. Maybe those things just aren't true. Maybe it's all even the other way around. And maybe I had better stop saying all that stuff before I just run out of time and there's no going back. Because once everybody understands the truth, once it becomes widespread in society, the truth about all of these issues to the point where no one can really deny it to the point where there is no longer any incentive to say the lies and where the people telling the truth no longer get punished. In fact, when you tell the lies, you get mocked and ridiculed by other people. That social punishment has now turned around on you. All your incentives are gone. Now the punishment is all coming in your direction. You don't want to be the person at that point still pretending to be smarter than everybody else while also lying to them and being laughed at for doing so. Now, hey, I get it. The truth is the truth. And if you believe you're telling the truth, you shouldn't back down no matter how much mocking or ridicule comes in your direction, no matter how much social punishment you might need to withstand. And I have done that. And I'm sure that many of the people listening to this have done that as well. So we get it. We get it. But the thing is, we are still saying the things we were saying when we were being socially punished, when we were being censored, when we were being mocked and ridiculed by some of the most powerful people in the world. We stuck to our guns because we had the truth and we could have the conversation about the truth and we could defend the truth and we could defend the truth in conversation with really anyone. We didn't cast aside our friends and our family and our neighbors. We didn't speak behind their backs and lie to their faces. We didn't spend the last three years calling people like them terrible, except when we are around them, when we tell them you're one of the good ones. And hey, I'm not saying we're perfect. Sure, there have been angry words spoken, but we're not trying to cancel people. We're not trying to destroy people's reputations, make them lose their jobs, make it so that they can't feed their families. We're not encouraging the government to destroy their lives. It was never a hate movement. It was just a disagreement. And it's okay to have disagreements. It's okay to express disagreements. And it's okay to be mad about how you're being treated by your government or by the people around you, especially if the government and the people around you are all saying the exact same things that they're saying on TV, all the things they're paid to say by the most powerful people in the world who also happen to be enacting a plan to destroy society and they don't even hide it. At that point, what you need is everybody standing up and telling the truth in the face of the punishment, without the incentives, in the face of the mocking and the ridicule. Now, there are definitely people on the other side who think that that's exactly what they're doing. They are told by the television that they are speaking truth to power, that although they themselves, for instance, are rich, white, ne'er-do-well, college-educated children of wealthy parents, 
who've had absolutely every advantage in life, they're also defending minorities and the LGBTQIA plus 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 and also definitely pedophiles community. So therefore, they're speaking truth to power, even though they are the power and even though they're not speaking the truth. And if they want to keep doing that, once the rest of society knows that everything they're saying is wrong and has been wrong the entire time, after everyone has moved on and accepted the truth, and they want to do it in the face of the mocking and the ridicule, lacking the incentives and enduring the social punishment and otherwise, well, hey, more power to them. If they really, really believe all of the stuff they've been saying, then I encourage them to stick to their guns and keep doing it. But I imagine that describes very few people, and almost all of them are absolutely undeniably nuts. So as I said yesterday, the reruns play, new people see them, they say enough is enough, and then they sign up to the Redeemable Communist Program which basically only entails admitting you're wrong and apologizing to people for the things that you've done and said and how you treated them. You know, like life, when you mess up, you take responsibility for messing up, you try to make amends, and then you hope to move forward doing the right thing instead of falling back into your old ways. But there are plenty of people who won't do that because they think they're gonna get away with it. No matter how many people find out they were wrong, they imagine that the people they personally are trying to impress are still impressed by them taking the positions they've taken and they're going to stick with it. They'll say it's about the truth. They'll say it's about integrity, but really it is just a cold calculation on risk and reward, incentive and punishment. How will they personally benefit? Now, everyone in the Uniparty has to continue lying. They can't tell the truth about any of it because it's people like them who are ultimately responsible for all of it. The people in political power, the wealthy and influential, the people who have big audiences online and disseminated government propaganda, like all of my old friends who are no longer my friends in Hollywood. People know what they've said, what they've done, and how they've treated people, and no one is going to forget that. They had every opportunity to attempt to make things better on their own and attract others to the cause of making things better, and they chose not to. They chose instead to take the incentives, avoid the punishments, and make things worse on everyone else but them. They were inviting people to their vacation homes while you were locked in your apartment without a job. They were working from home, eating Uber Eats with Netflix on while you were being told you couldn't visit your relatives in the hospital. They were waving their Ukraine flags while you couldn't afford gas. That's basically how the last few years have gone. And that's all because these powerful and influential people in the Uniparty simply could not tell the truth. Too many incentives. It was too attractive to keep saying the things that they were saying. On the other side, too many punishments. They didn't want to be censored. They didn't want to lose their jobs. They didn't want their reputations harmed. They didn't want to be mocked and ridiculed. Now, we talked about how there are pillars of the central narrative that they have supported throughout this time. Critical pillars. Joe Biden definitely 
must have received 81 million real lawful American votes. The election was free and fair. It was safe and secure. The proliferation of mail-in balloting and ballot harvesting, that just increased turnout, which means that our democracy was strengthened. COVID was a very deadly pandemic. Our first priority had to be better safe than sorry. So wear a mask that doesn't work. A child wears a mask that doesn't work. Let's do a lockdown that doesn't work. Let's lock down schools, even though that won't work. Let's close hospitals to voluntary surgeries. Let's shut down cancer screenings. Better safe than sorry. All the COVID stuff, all the vaccine stuff, all the gender stuff, all the race stuff, all the Ukraine stuff, all the China stuff, all the immigration stuff, a bunch of pillars. They have to support all of those pillars because all of those pillars are intertwined to form that great global agenda, the great reset agenda, the 2030 agenda. And you got to add in. I can't believe I forgot it. Climate change. They must protect these at all costs. If you tell the truth about any of these issues, you risk immediate exile from the party of false decorum. You can't go around saying that Joe Biden is an illegitimate president, even if you have posters on the wall of Greta Thunberg and Ketanji Brown Jackson. It's just not good enough. You got to have all of them. So what we are seeing now as we go through these reruns is a sifting and people are opposed to the sifting, but the sifting is good and the sifting is necessary. I know it's uncomfortable, but it's necessary. I talked about this. Oh, I don't know. Probably last summer when people started really talking about Tulsi Gabbard for some reason and have certainly brought the idea back a few times, definitely last fall after it was obvious that the Ron thing was happening, the DeSantis simp info op had begun. I talked about how we keep being told that we need to seek unity in order to form some political coalition that will allow us to win a rigged election. What we need to do is unify with people who have lied about all of this stuff, primarily from their desire to remain in the party of false decorum because they are wannabe elites. One day they would like to improve their social class through impressing the right people and doing whatever needs to be done. And then at that point, they'll have more and nicer vacations. They will have nicer cars and a nicer home. And maybe they'll even be able to make themselves look better or something. And if you're really, really, really good, hopefully you can just live forever. You'll just upload your consciousness. They'll give you a new body, probably a better one than you have now, to be honest. And you will just live forever as an elite. Those are the people we are told we must unify with even though they were wrong about everything that matters for a very, very, very long time. And I feel comfortable saying this as someone who used to be that way. But the thing is, we do not pursue unity for unity's sake. We cannot unify with people who are asleep, people who are not dealing with reality, and people who are therefore, sadly, making extraordinarily immoral decisions. If you prioritize unity rather than respecting the sifting process, you have already begun the path back to where we were.
The problem with all of this in the first place is that people became willing to compromise their morals and their principles in pursuit of their own advancement. When the reruns come back around, people have the opportunity to stop doing that. And we are watching that process play out in public right now. There are countless examples of it. If you think about this concept and look at the situations happening in the world and you're watching people's reactions, you can see it happen for yourself. And I know that many of you intuitively understand this immediately. Think of someone in your life as time has gone on, someone who has begun to wake up, maybe someone who is already there. You remember that first moment when you were like, oh, wait, is this person actually being sort of reasonable about this? They know that they might be wrong about this interpretation. That person's asking me a question just to see what I think and. Maybe they're wondering if I have information about something that they don't have based on the fact that I follow all this stuff all the time and they don't follow it at all. How? How lovely. That's the moment right there. That is when they are saying to you, hey, I'm thinking about becoming a redeemable communist. What do you think about that? And that's when you say, yes, commie. Yes. I thought you would never ask. Welcome aboard. You can definitely see it on that side. But we don't notice it in the other direction. We just think, oh, they're still doing that thing. They're not just doing that thing they've been doing. They are telling you once again, they are committed to that cause. Most people are not surprised about this at all from the uniparty left, but they are surprised about it from the uniparty right because we've spent the last few years thinking it's good that we have some unity with these guys. I know that they don't like Trump. And they are wrong about a lot of stuff. They seem to still really be asleep on some major things. But at least we're kind of unified with them. They say they'd like to be on the same team. They say in some ways they are on the same team. And they do support some of the things we support. Therefore, they're our allies in some sense, at least compared to the uniparty left. But that's not true. Because the uniparty right is actually the ally of the uniparty left. Neither of them can survive without the other. That's the entire point. That's why they were split apart in the first place, in order to convince people that multiple perspectives were being represented by a singular unified force that exists only to push one agenda forward, and that is the agenda of the regime. Over the last few years, we assumed that when the chips were down, they would come to our side because our side happens to be where the unification is. You can only unify around the truth. And that doesn't require us being right about everything. It requires us being humble and open minded and focused on finding the truth, understanding we can never get all the way there. So there might be other well-intentioned people who get very close to the truth, as close as we get. Maybe they know some things we don't. Maybe we know some things they don't. And we can all at least unify around the truth and understand that while we don't agree about absolutely everything, we at least agree that focusing on the truth is very, very important and that we want the best for everyone. And we are finding some of that with some of the supporters of Robert F. Kennedy Jr., for instance. Now, a lot of RFK Jr.'s supporters 
are very asleep about some very important things, including and especially election fraud and Donald Trump. And then secondarily, a bunch of the quote unquote progressive agenda. But many of them have come to terms with the fact that they have been lied to by very, very powerful people for a very, very long time, including by people on their own side. And they have reached the point where they say enough is enough. They're not on board with Donald Trump yet. They might not believe the election was stolen yet, but those sound like people we can do business with. They're starting to wake up. Seems like they know, at least to some extent, where the problem comes from. And they're looking for solutions. It's probably going to take a little longer before they understand where the point of unification is. They're going to have to get through Robert F. Kennedy Jr. having his primary election rigged and stolen. They're going to have to understand the DNC absolutely would do that, which means the Uniparty absolutely would do that, which means the Uniparty has done that. And they already know it because they've watched it happen with Bernie Sanders. It's just one small step from there to understanding that the 2020 election was stolen. And so are all the rest of them. There are a lot of people going through that process. And we already have a whole lot of people who've completed that process and are on board with MAGA. They are Trump supporters. They might not like every single thing he's done. They might not like his personality or his voice or how combative he is or the mean tweets, but they like the agenda. They understand what's happened. They know the Uniparty is the problem and they understand who their allies are in trying to fix it. It's not about party. It's not about lower level political priorities and agenda items. It's about whether or not you know what time it is and you seek your allies out based on that. The Democrat, Republican, left, right paradigms are totally dead, totally worthless. And we're being told by the Uniparty left and the Uniparty right, and maybe even especially the Uniparty right, that we must hold on to that paradigm. The Democrats are being told, if you consider Robert F. Kennedy Jr., you're giving the Republicans a better chance to win. You're weakening Joe Biden. We're being told by the Ron people that if you support Donald Trump, he can't win a general. So you are asking for the Democrats to win again. You're supporting Joe Biden. Each side of the uniparty is telling the dissident base of its own party that they must fall in line or else they are helping the other side of the uniparty when in reality, the two sides of the uniparty are helping the two sides of the uniparty. What they're trying to do is remove all the dissidents, silence the dissidents, make sure the dissidents don't have any say in how our society moves forward from this point. These people are incredibly easy to spot. Every time you watch a rerun play, just look and see what they say. Are they getting closer to the obvious truth that has been obvious for quite a long time? Or are they doubling down on their prior position? If they're doubling down, you know which direction they're headed and you know what they're preserving. They're preserving that Democrat, Republican, left, right paradigm, the uniparty paradigm. They are there working for the uniparty, period. And there's nothing 
in that to unify around just because they affiliate as more on your side than that other side of the uniparty. We discussed this a bit on Monday after the weekend produced the debate offer by Joe Rogan for Peter Hotez to go debate Robert F. Kennedy Jr. The uniparty left called RFK Jr. a conspiracy theorist and tried to marginalize him. And the uniparty right, the DeSantis simps, treated him in the same way. And it's exactly the same way they treat Donald Trump. They want to marginalize him and his supporters. They're going to call them crazy conspiracy theorists. They are the uneducated, unwashed masses. They don't know the real truth. They don't know how things work in Washington. We need to leave it to the people with the important credentials, the people who write for Town Hall and the National Review. These are our greatest intellectuals. And at some point, it might be worth noticing that all of our prominent political analysts consistently side with the uniparty left and the uniparty right. They agree anytime something rises to the level of importance for the uniparty that there can be only one position and they join together in marginalizing any opposing viewpoints. No matter what, they must preserve and support the pillars of the central narrative. Now, yesterday I talked a bit about part one of the Fox News interview of Donald Trump, Brett Baer, sitting down with Donald Trump for over an hour. They split it up into two nights. Let's talk a bit about part two and keep all of this in mind as you listen to Donald Trump talk about his views on COVID and the vaccines. COVID. In your mind, did the COVID vaccine work? It's a, such an interesting question because not only that, I also did the Regenerons of the world, you know, the whole, well, we did a tremendous job on that. Uh, but we had a wet vaccine. Now you have difference. You have different COVIDs. You had COVID-19 and then you have different Strange. COVIDs. But we had a, original was COVID-19, which was the roughest one. So I have a Democrat friend who's very smart. Hopefully he votes for me, but he's very smart. He said, I don't understand one thing about you. I watch your rallies. They're incredible. You talk about beating ISIS. You talk about taxes. You talk about uh, regulation. You talk about everything. But you never saw said that I've never heard you talk about how the incredible job you did with the vaccines, because, as you know, I got them done in nine months and it was supposed to take anywhere from five to 12 years. I broke their ass. OK. And you know who doesn't like me too much? The FDA because they were very bureaucratic and I got it done. And he said, you may have saved in the world, throughout the world, a hundred million people and you never talk about it. I said, I really don't want to talk about it because as a Republican, it's not a great thing to talk about because for some reason, it's just not. For some reason? Yeah, for some reason, because people love the vaccines and people hate the vaccines, but conservatives aren't. And, and I understand both sides of it, by the way. I understand both sides very well. What I didn't do is the mandates. The mandates and the vaccines don't go. And you had these governors mandated. Well, and the by Defense the way, Department. Ron DeSantis, the Pentagon did. Ron DeSantis had lines of people trying to get the vaccine. He set up whole things. You know, when I never saw a guy that could forget the past so quickly because the past wasn't that long ago. Now, that is a very interesting answer. And naturally, the uniparty right, the Ron D. Santis supporters, came out and said, Donald Trump, 
has once again refused to say the thing. He's not renouncing the vaccine. Therefore, it's Donald Trump's fault. And all the vaccine injuries, deaths that have occurred from the vaccine, those are all Donald Trump's fault as well. Donald Trump is the one that pushed for this vaccine. He still won't renounce the vaccine. That means he's taking credit for all of it. It's his doing. And so he's responsible for all the downside. It's not the people who made the vaccine. It's not the people who distributed the vaccine. It's not the people who advertised the vaccine. It's not the people who mandated the vaccine. And it's not the people who spoke well of the vaccine while they were in a position to dictate vaccine policy like Ron DeSantis was. No, it's all Donald Trump's fault because the uniparty left and the uniparty right consistently envision each and every president as some God King who is responsible for everything. But let's take apart Trump's statement a little bit and bring this back to reality. The first thing Trump says is, sure, yeah, I got the vaccine done, but I also got Regeneron. And he has countless times talked about the therapeutics that were available that he had proposed. Now, if you recall, the COVID vaccine came out under an emergency use authorization, but people often ignore and forget that. Well, on the FDA's website today, I just confirmed again today under the section with the heading, what is an emergency use authorization? The answer is, an emergency use authorization, an EUA, is a mechanism to facilitate the availability and use of medical countermeasures, including vaccines during public health emergencies, such as the current COVID-19 pandemic. So obviously that part has been updated within the past couple of years. Under an EUA, FDA may allow the use of unapproved medical products or unapproved uses of approved medical products in an emergency to diagnose, treat, or prevent serious or life-threatening diseases or conditions. And here's the important part. When certain statutory criteria have been met, including that there are no adequate, approved, and available alternatives. Now, people always ignore that part of this. Trump would have and could have never mandated the vaccine. The vaccine could only come out under emergency use authorization if there weren't other available therapeutics, except there were other available therapeutics. Trump talked at length about things like hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin, and the FDA moved to make sure that pharmacies couldn't prescribe it. And many doctors and pharmacists around the country went right along with that because they were told to. They were just following orders. Trump listed therapeutic after therapeutic after therapeutic throughout 2020. There were available therapeutics. The vaccine should have never come out under EUA, but the bureaucracy made that possible so that they could get that vaccine to market. They also went hard after every single therapeutic Trump proposed. Why did they do that? One would have to guess that was all done in service of getting the vaccine out. 
So if Trump was proposing all those therapeutics that would have made it impossible for a vaccine to be released under an emergency use authorization, how again is it Trump's fault that the vaccine came out? He got it to market so the country could reopen. We would have stayed on lockdowns. And I know people find that somehow hard to believe or they don't see that as one of the original parts of the overall plan. But you don't actually have to look at that stuff. All you have to do is engage with reality. People were still at that point not willing to resume society. Even once the vaccines were out, places were segregating crowds. Unvaccinated people were not allowed into bars or restaurants or concert venues or coffee shops. And that was with the vaccine. Trump's second part of his answer, he says that could have taken five years. That could have taken 12 years. And yeah, it could have. How long were we supposed to stay in that COVID emergency? How much more could our society take? They wanted to impoverish people to the point where they were dependent on government. They wanted to change people's lifestyles permanently to make them fear going outside, to make them docile, to make them fear other people, to make them withdrawn, always wanting to stay at home, to make them unhealthy, to make them poor, to make them, again, dependent on government. That is all part of that great reset agenda. If it wasn't the presence of the vaccine that allowed us to get out of that, what was it? Someone has to give an alternative explanation to that. It certainly wasn't people waking up to the fact that COVID wasn't very serious. You can still talk about any of COVID online today and hear people tell you that 7 million people have died from COVID. You can go virtually anywhere in a city and still see people wearing masks. The agenda calls for climate lockdowns. Do you really think they were just gonna let up on everything? Without a vaccine, you think that normal people who were scared of the very deadly pandemic were just going to return to normal life without the vaccine? No, they weren't going to. And pretending that they were is totally dishonest. He goes on to say that that might have saved hundreds of thousands of lives. And if lockdowns had continued, certainly hundreds of thousands, maybe millions more lives would be destroyed. By August of 2020, there were reports that 200 million people worldwide had already been thrown into abject poverty because of the pandemic lockdowns, that would have continued. You don't have to think that the vaccine is good to understand that the vaccine being available in a time of mass hysteria and mass panic was good. They're entirely different subjects. The vaccine itself doesn't work. It is harmful. The fact that the vaccine became available allowed society to reopen and people to resume their normal lives. Donald Trump is not responsible for anyone taking that vaccine. He didn't make that vaccine. He wasn't involved in the testing of the vaccine. He didn't sign off that it was very safe and very effective. And he certainly didn't mandate it. Now, I have a lot of sympathy for anyone who took that vaccine under coercion. 
if they were mandated to take it and felt like they had to do so in order to keep their job so they could feed their family and not lose their home. And they thought that that was what they had to do. I feel very sorry for those people. I have a lot of sympathy for those people. I hope they take care of themselves and their health. And obviously, I hope they suffer no long-term consequences. But everybody else took that vaccine by choice. And the truth is that even those people who were coerced and mandated took it by choice as well. Everyone had the option to decline the vaccine. The mandates and the coercion were cruel. They were a moral abomination. But that does not take away each and every individual person's responsibility for their own decisions. I don't know how anyone makes a decision like that and thinks as part of their decision. Well, you know, Donald Trump said he thinks it's fine in an interview with Sean Hannity. Therefore, it's probably the best decision to take this vaccine, even though COVID is pretty much totally fake. And to whatever extent it's real, it still only kills one out of every thousand people who gets it. Donald Trump is not responsible for the people who made that decision. And so to claim he is to blame a couple years later for political expediency is about as low and immoral as it gets. And people are noticing that Donald Trump said some people like the vaccine. Some people hate the vaccine. Turns out a lot of Republicans hate the vaccine. And that's true. We can be absolutely certain that the vaccine was never necessary, that it never worked and that it is harmful and still understand that there are a whole lot of Americans who still think it's the greatest thing in the world. Now, a lot of them are lying to themselves about that, but Donald Trump doesn't have any responsibility to dispel those notions. Are we supposed to imagine that the Democrats out there who are still supporting the vaccine are doing it because Donald Trump says it's good? The entire thing is mind-blowing. I was dealing with a DeSantis simp over the weekend, some anonymous guy on Twitter who goes by the name of Max Nordau. The dude just incessantly posts videos of Donald Trump failing to say the thing about the vaccine when he himself had bragged in 2021 about having been vaxxed with Pfizer twice, talking about how vaccines save lives. He was singing the praises of the vaccine and is now trying to blame Trump for the vaccine to benefit Donald Trump's campaign. That is mind blowing. And it led me to a new understanding of how these people operate in 2020, no matter what happened. And this is true throughout Donald Trump's presidency. And it's honestly true now as well. But these people set up their views to be in opposition to Donald Trump. You remember the uniparty left trusted the experts, trusted the science. COVID was very, very dangerous. The uniparty right went most of the way there with them, but they were like, oh, well, it's not quite that dangerous because some of the people that we respect are actually saying it's not dangerous at all. And maybe they have some point, but you have big Uniparty right influencers, the Ben Shapiro's of the world, the Matt Walsh's, the Mike Cernovich's, the Tim Pool's. All of those mainstream dorks, they went along with it. They went along with the lockdowns, the masks. They went along with the COVID fear. They talked about case numbers. They trusted the experts. They trusted the science. And the entire time they talked about how irresponsible Donald Trump was being with all the things he was saying. Oh, my God, he called COVID a hoax. He said it was going to be gone by a certain date. 
He's talking about horse medicine. He's talking about injecting bleach. They did the whole thing. Maybe they would make fun of people on the uniparty left for being a little too scared, a little too cautious, a little too masky and vaxy, a little too concerned with hand sanitizer. But they went along with the rest of it, always in opposition to Donald Trump. Those people took the vaccine to prove their anti-Trumpness. I am convinced that many people took the vaccine to prove their anti-Trumpness. They are not like those MAGA people, despite the fact that they are on the uniparty right. And sometimes they will have the same opinions as those MAGA people when it comes to guns or immigration or maybe even abortion. But they don't want to be associated with the MAGA people. They don't want to be the no-no people. They don't want the punishment to come toward them. They don't want to be the target of the mocking and the ridicule. All the regime's incentives are distributed to the people who are working against Trump because Trump, as always, is the greatest threat to the regime. So they went right along with it. They got vaxxed and they were proud of it. Ben Shapiro out there singing the praises of the vaccines. Go get the shot, dopes. These people are all on record with what they supported because they knew and everybody knew that anti-vax and MAGA were tied together. They were made inseparable. They are the same in everyone's minds. And that's not going to change, which is just yet another reason why it is utterly ridiculous to try to pin the vaccine on Donald Trump when everybody understands that MAGA voters, MAGA supporters, Trump supporters were the least likely people in the world to get that vaccine. If we are cult members, we're very, very bad at being cult members. These people will attempt to reverse their position about something they injected into their body, something irreversible. They announced their support for it. They bragged about getting it. And now they want to blame that on Donald Trump because they only got it in the first place in order to prove their anti-Trumpness. They had to prove their loyalty to the uniparty right. And in doing so, what did they do? They unified with the uniparty left. They stood in the exact same position about yet another issue. That position being explicitly anti-Trump for both sides. And now they have completely reversed that position in order to be anti-Trump again. And for some reason, People who are largely supportive of Donald Trump still think that Donald Trump has to go out and renounce the vaccine and say that the vaccine is really bad. Tell the whole world about the horrors the vaccine has wrought. He has to do it at every possible opportunity. But why? Why does he have to do it? It's not going to stop one single person in the world from taking the vaccine. All that's going to happen is is that the people who have been trying to go after him for eight straight years will be given the opportunity to blame him for everything, just as they always plan to do. We talk about the agenda as it was set forth even before the 2020 election. Certainly the vaccine program had an agenda. You can read about the agenda. You can, for instance, look at the Spars Pandemic 2025 to 2028 document produced by the Johns Hopkins Center for Health Security. Read about Agenda 201. 
And then remember that they were also at the same time planning for the possibility that Donald Trump might attempt to stay in office. They even believed, it seems, that there was a chance that it could happen. They knew they were going to have to cheat. What if Donald Trump was going to stop them? What then? What if Donald Trump had entered his second term? Would he have mandated the vaccines? Of course not. But he would have been blamed for all the problems, and it would have been very hard to deny that that was true. Now it makes absolutely no sense in their running that playbook anyway, thinking it's going to work because it's one of the very few things that could actually harm him, they think. They're already denying election fraud. We don't have to pretend like there are a lot of good options for the anti-Trump crowd at this point. But we're in a situation where we are being told that not only do we have to agree with the anti-Trump people in order to unify, but that Trump has to agree with them and take all of the responsibility on himself. And somehow he owes the public an apology for forcing the pharma companies to speed up their process rather than taking years with it while the people were locked down. If you wanted to see Big Pharma's power and the vaccine regime ended forever, you could hardly find a better way to do it than what has occurred. Donald Trump can still credibly stand against pharma companies and against the vaccines as he always has in his life through a proven record of being anti-vaccine. And it is very likely that the vaccine regime will not recover from any of this. I would be rather shocked. If the childhood vaccination schedule remains the same over the next five years, I would bet that parents completely revolt against that and stop getting their children vaccinated in full. And that's possible because of how this has gone. Why would anyone expect Donald Trump or his supporters to heed the advice of the very people who have been trying to destroy Donald Trump and his supporters for the last eight years? We're being told we have to do that in order to unify. We're being told that Donald Trump has to say all these things in order to be considered honest by some of the most dishonest and immoral people who have emerged in this period. And by that, I'm talking about the supporters of Ron DeSantis. Imagine how totally bereft of character you have to be to have two years ago bragged about getting two Pfizer shots, told everyone to do it, told everyone to trust the science, told everyone that vaccines save lives and then turn around and try to blame the vaccines on Donald Trump in order to get Ron DeSantis elected. That is unfathomable. That is the sort of morality expressed by global communists. We pretended that that existed only on the uniparty left, but it doesn't. It exists throughout the uniparty. It is the defining characteristic of the uniparty because the uniparty is the American representation of the global communist regime. Now, yesterday we got news that many of us had been speculating about for some time. I think on the show on Monday, I said I thought a Hunter Biden indictment was imminent. Donald Trump mentioned a couple weeks ago he thought that they would give Hunter Biden some sort of slap on the wrist to make themselves seem even handed. And that is finally what we've gotten. This is the reporting from yesterday in The Washington Post. Hunter Biden reaches deal to plead guilty in tax and gun case. 
President Biden's son, Hunter, has reached a tentative agreement with federal prosecutors to plead guilty to two minor tax crimes and admit to the facts of a gun charge under terms that would likely keep him out of jail, according to court papers filed Tuesday. Any proposed plea deal would have to be approved by a federal judge. Both the prosecutors and the defense counsel have requested a court hearing at which Hunter Biden, 53, can enter his plea. The agreement caps an investigation that was opened in 2018 during the Trump administration and has generated intense interest and criticism since 2020 from Republican politicians who accused the Biden administration of reluctance to pursue the case. The terms of the proposed deal negotiated with Delaware U.S. Attorney David Weiss, a holdover from President Trump's administration, are likely to face similar scrutiny. So the big problem is that Republican politicians accused the Biden administration of reluctance to pursue the case. And now that this plea deal has been reached, that is all proven false, just like it always was. Those crazy Republicans accusing the Biden administration of not wanting to go after Hunter Biden. Look, they did it. They got him on some minor tax charge and on that little gun charge, and he's never going to face a day in prison. Ha ha, you dummies. You thought Joe Biden wasn't a return to decency. You thought he wouldn't act with integrity in the White House. Just look how much integrity he has. Sure, there is documented evidence of 459 violations of the U.S. criminal code in the report on the Biden laptop by Marco Polo, but we got him a plea deal with you know, like two or three of those. So integrity. We sure showed those doubtful conspiracy theorist Republicans. The court papers indicate the younger Biden has tentatively agreed to plead guilty to two misdemeanor tax charges of failure to pay in 2017 and 2018. The combined tax liability is roughly $1.2 million over those years, according to people familiar with the plea deal, who spoke on condition of anonymity to describe details of the agreement that are not yet public. And thank goodness we have people familiar with the plea deal who are willing to speak to the Washington Post on the condition of anonymity, because the biggest priority right now should be Restoring our faith in the judicial process. Prosecutors plan to recommend a sentence of probation for those counts. These people said Biden's representatives have said he previously paid back the IRS what he owed, or at least Kevin Morris did. In a letter filed in federal court in Wilmington on Tuesday, federal prosecutors said they were filing two documents called criminal informations, typically used in cases in which a defendant has agreed to plead guilty. The defendant has agreed to plead guilty to both counts of the tax information, the prosecutors wrote. The second criminal information is about the gun charge. In that case, the letter says, quote, the defendant has agreed to enter a pretrial diversion agreement with respect to the firearm information. Handling the gun charge as a diversion case means Biden will not technically be pleading guilty to that crime. Diversion is an option typically applied to nonviolent offenders with substance abuse problems. 
In all, prosecutors will recommend two years of probation and diversion conditions, these people said. If Biden successfully meets the conditions of the diversion program, the gun charge would be removed from his record at the end of that period, the people familiar with the plea deal said. Now, as you might imagine, all of this caused a bit of an uproar. People said Hunter Biden is getting off with just this. And for now, that's true. Hunter Biden, for now, is getting off with just this. And it's possible that this might be all Hunter Biden ever faces. There are quite a few people out there who believe with fairly good reason that Hunter Biden has flipped in some way. He's become an informant about much larger crimes. Maybe he has turned state's evidence. Maybe all of this is part of some deal that was already arrived at with Hunter Biden. Regardless, Hunter Biden is not the big fish. Hunter Biden's laptop is important, not because of what it says about Hunter Biden, although it says plenty of bad things about Hunter Biden. It's because of what it says about the corrupt dealings of the Biden family and other prominent political families in this country. And it illustrates how pervasive that sort of corruption is not only in our country and in our government, but in the implementation worldwide of the global agenda, because the political corruption was not just for money and it wasn't just random favors. They were making deals to keep the agenda moving forward. There has been some very quality analysis on all of this done over the last couple of days. This is former U.S. attorney Brett Tolman on Twitter yesterday. The DOJ is violating its own internal policies on this case. The Ashcroft memo requires they charge the, quote, highest provable offense, end quote and seek consistent sentences with other cases brought by the DOJ. This prosecution is an absolute laughable joke. Thousands have been sent to prison for long terms for the same charges. They are ignoring decades of policy and precedent to seek felonies, not misdemeanors, and seek sentences within the guideline range. The diversion agreement on the felony is offensive to everyone, not politically connected, who sought diversions and were literally laughed at by DOJ. Thousands of people have been prosecuted under Project Safe Neighborhoods by DOJ. They brag about getting nearly five years of prison time on average for their gun cases. If they followed policy, Hunter would be looking at a minimum of five years in federal prison, but he's a Biden. Take a look at 18 U.S. Code Section 924C charges. Easy to prove given Hunter was distributed and dealing drugs with a firearm in his possession. Such charges were brought against thousands in inner cities across the country for the last 20 years. Mandatory minimum sentences for all except Hunter. And it's worth remembering, by the way, that good old Joe Biden, the fake president, was responsible for the 90s crime bills that enabled a lot of that. Since Hunter brandished his firearm during the commission of a drug crime, he would be looking at a mandatory minimum of seven years in federal prison. DOJ could also add on top mandatory minimum for possession of child pornography if any of the girls were underage. Plus, on top of that, years for tax evasion. Still digesting all this, Brett Tolman says, 
But the tax evasion being viewed as misdemeanor is perhaps the most shocking. If DOJ treated this consistently, they would, quote, source the money and they would see the movement of monies and they would clearly bring money laundering and conspiracy. If others received the money or the funds went into shell companies, then you may have a large conspiracy and sophisticated means to hide the illegal monies and movement. This would be 100% consistent with all other cases involving such schemes and would mean years in prison. One can't truly appreciate how shocking this is by DOJ unless you have watched closely what DOJ has done over the past 30 years. This is the most blatant hypocrisy that screams to the level of injustice many have suffered at the hands of the DOJ pounding average Joe defendants. Everyone can see now what so many have observed growing, the politics of prosecuting. When absolute power is given with no accountability or transparency, then consistency and fairness become obsolete. He notes that people were complaining that the Ashcroft memo had been rescinded, so it was no longer official policy. He says, well, Eric Holder kept this. The Holder memo states that a federal prosecutor should ordinarily charge the most serious offense that is consistent with the nature of the defendant's conduct and likely to result in a sustainable conviction. Now, I don't think that we're going to get to any John Durham stuff today. The Durham hearings are going on, but John Durham reiterated that same principle in his hearing this morning. Their standard should be what they believe they can prove beyond a reasonable doubt and that if their conviction is appealed, it could be sustained upon appeal. Think about that standard in the context of the Trump documents case. Later in the afternoon, Catherine Herridge from CBS posted a statement from U.S. Attorney David C. Weiss in the District of Delaware. His letter reads as follows. The United States attorney for the District of Delaware filed charges today against Robert Hunter Biden of Los Angeles. Hunter Biden has been charged with two misdemeanor tax offenses and a felony firearm offense and has agreed to enter a plea of guilty to the tax offenses and enter into a pretrial diversion agreement with regard to the firearm charge at a proceeding to be scheduled by the assigned U.S. District Court judge. According to the tax information, Hunter Biden received taxable income in excess of $1.5 million annually in calendar years 2017 and 2018. Despite owing in excess of $100,000 in federal income taxes each year, he did not pay the income tax due for either year. According to the firearm information from on or about October 12, 2018 through October 23, 2018. Hunter Biden possessed a firearm despite knowing he was an unlawful user of and addicted to a controlled substance. Hunter Biden is charged with two violations of failure to pay income tax and one violation of unlawful possession of a firearm by a person prohibited. If convicted, he faces a maximum penalty of 12 months in prison on each of the tax charges and a maximum penalty of 10 years in prison on the firearm charge. Actual sentences for federal crimes are typically less than the maximum penalties. A federal district court judge will determine any sentence after taking into account the U.S. sentencing guidelines and other statutory factors. David C. Weiss 
U.S. attorney for the District of Delaware made the announcement. The investigation is ongoing. And that's pretty interesting. The investigation is ongoing. Maybe there is more from Weiss and there are other possibilities as well. John Harold Patel Patriot posted a thread yesterday where he makes the case that David Weiss's work has been handed off to special counsel Robert Herr. Now, it's impossible to know at this point whether or not that's true, but John makes a very good case because he knows that the FD 1023 form that was in question over the last few weeks was initially given to Weiss. That form is still part of an ongoing investigation. Weiss says the investigation is ongoing. And John surmises that the 1023 form is now part of Robert Hur's investigation and that he is the one investigating Joe Biden for bribery connected to the classified documents that Joe Biden retained at his various properties. As you might imagine, Donald Trump did not hesitate to respond to all of this. He reposted on Truth a couple of Jack Posobiec posts. The first, Posobiec says, they want Trump to die in prison. They want the Bidens off the hook. This isn't hypocrisy, it's hierarchy. They don't expect you to buy it. They expect you to do nothing. Trump retruthed that. Very direct, very bold. I like it. He also retruthed this by Posobiec. Posobiec said 100-year charges for Trump over paperwork filing, a plea deal for Hunter over the laptop. Are you paying attention yet? Trump also made a couple statements of his own. He said, wow, the corrupt Biden DOJ just cleared up hundreds of years of criminal liability by giving Hunter Biden a mere quote unquote traffic ticket. Our system is broken. He also said people are going wild over the Hunter Biden scam with the DOJ. Now, despite the relative disappointment people are experiencing, feeling let down by what they do rightly see as a delay of justice, this process in general is taking its toll on Joe Biden and on the Uniparty. People are losing faith in the regime politicians and the regime media that they now see is propping up these regime politicians, no matter what their level of corruption. Breitbart on Monday reported on the results of a Harvard-Harris poll that showed 83% of voters believe the FBI should make public its informant file that alleges President Joe Biden accepted a $5 million bribe from Ukrainian oligarch Mykola Zlochevsky, the founder of Burisma Holdings. So that's the issue swirling around that 1023 form. 83%. That is five out of every six people in this country. According to this poll, that generally overrepresents the Uniparty and Democrats. 74% of Democrats think the public should have access to this information. So things are not going well, despite this slap on the wrist of a sentence. Look at everything in two ways. Take the surface understanding. Understand that rich and powerful people are treated differently by the justice system in this country. There is a two-tiered system of justice. That is the lesson that this story is designed to teach us. Accept the lesson. Understand the lesson. Implement the lesson in your understanding of the world as you go through it. But don't blackpill on that because that's not the only lesson to be learned. 
You've got to look at it from the other direction as well. Is it good that this lesson is being taught to everyone? Yes, it is absolutely good that this lesson is being taught to everyone. It doesn't matter how many examples it takes, how many times we have to watch the reruns. We are sick of the rerun where the story goes, hey, you will never get justice because the system is unfair and it is exploited on a daily basis. We don't like seeing that show anymore. We've seen that show. We know all the lines from that show. We know all the scenes. That show is no longer entertaining. In fact, it's boring as hell. We don't want to watch it anymore. Well, it doesn't matter. We have to keep watching it until everybody understands it. The class is not allowed to graduate until everyone has passed the test. Or at least until we hit that critical mass of people passing the test. The solution to that, if you want to speed it up, is to make sure everyone understands the lessons so that we can all move on. And all that matters is the big lesson. All that matters is people understanding there is a two-tiered system of justice. That's why it's not relevant, not important, and not a valuable use of your time to get into arguments with people who are still asleep where you end up just discussing the details of these issues as they're described in the fake news. And you send each other links. You play a game of links. You play a game of sources. Oh, look at my links. Oh, look at my links. Oh, I don't know about your sources. My sources are so much better. You have to trust my sources. You have to read my sources. Hey, they're not going to read any of it. The only point is to make the lesson very, very clear and then go on about your life. But that's still only the view from one side. You also got to think about how this is going to look when the situation is reversed in the future. If we want this thing to work, there cannot be any indication that their side is being treated unfairly in any way by the justice system. You may want revenge. You may want retribution. But the fact is, if we want this thing to work, if you want the thing to stick, if you want it to have a lasting effect and help to create a stable society that can extend into the future, well, they got to play by the rule book. In fact, they got to play well within the bounds of the rules so that there is not even a suspicion that what is being done is political. Let them be happy about this stuff. This isn't some great win for them. This doesn't make the Hunter Biden thing go away. It doesn't make the Joe Biden thing go away. It reinforces for the public that our justice system is totally out of whack. And that is nothing but a good thing. Allow the lessons to be taught to the people who still need to learn them. That's what the reruns are for. I understand they're boring. They're not entertaining. They don't make you happy anymore. I get it. They don't make me happy anymore either, but they're still very effective. And in the future, when the situation reverses, that's when you get the justice you know you deserve. I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic. Joe Biden will never be president. In my mind, that's the end game. If you're listening to this episode for free, you can support me and support the show and the work I do by signing up for a paid subscription at imyourmoderator.substack.com. You can do so for as low as $50 a year or $5 a month, comes out to under a quarter per episode, and you'll blast right through the paywall for all of the writing. 
The merch store is www.cancelcouture.com and you can find everything else by heading to Linktree. Linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. And I'll see you soon out on the range. It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm your moderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!